right. Um, <clears throat> good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for taking time to be here this morning. Uh, there's a lot of us are away uh, today, right? Um, Brother Andy was uh, scheduled to preach this morning, but uh, because he's away in Forces College, he's asked me to take over from uh, for him. Um, and um, initially, they told me that I could. Uh, do any topic uh, right that I wanted because uh, it was uh, such a short notice. But I thought that uh, this uh, we should do this uh, what was scheduled, which is uh, God's message to the greedy and the gluttonous, right? Because this is a very important topic. Um, uh, greed uh, often lays hold of our hearts. Uh, a lot of us we we don't even realize it, right? <clears throat> so <clears throat> what happens when you sleep or when you don't get enough sleep? Um, ever, ever uh, thought about it? You know, for me, if I don't get enough sleep, you know, uh, I am no longer as young as I wish I was. You know, like I I used to be able to stay up uh twenty four hours uh without any problems, but nowadays, uh, you know, when it, the clock clock hits about twelve, I uh, really need to get my sleep, right? And if I don't uh, don't do that. The next day, I can be quite irritable, and even the smallest uh, thing can make me lose my, my temper, right? And so I was thinking about this, and a thought came to me. You look at a world that is around us, uh, everyone is offended, everyone is irritated by something, and perhaps, perhaps I thought to myself that maybe we are not getting enough rest, right? In today's world, Everything is fast-paced. Everyone is thinking about how to maximize their time, how to make things more efficient so that they can achieve more, they can gain more, they can profit more. More, 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 more. Never-ending, right? Everyone is preoccupied with uh, getting ahead of others, preoccupied with being better than their neighbors, and they want newer cars, flashier gadgets, the the latest fashion, right? They want bigger bank accounts. People at large, they spend most of their time gaining wealth and preserving wealth, right? And for some people, 24 hours a day isn't enough, right? And how I wish I had that's 26 hours or, you know, or 30 hours in a day. We become so preoccupied with uh, material game uh, or money because it is uh it is seen as a universal tool to gain material uh, pleasure and enjoyment <clears throat> so it is no wonder that uh, you know Paul wants us this is the text that uh, brother fang read to us just now right first timothy chapter 6 verse 10 Paul wants us that the love of money is the root of all evil it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And that is what we are going to talk about this morning, greed and gluttony, right? So what is greed? The word greed comes from the old English word greedy, which means hungry, very hungry, voracious, or insatiable. And so a greedy person is one who has an insatiable appetite for material gain, right? Uh, money, possessions, power, Food, pleasure, uh, you name it, right? 
There's an insatiable appetite for it. In, new, in the New Testament, the Greek word uh, that is translated greed is pionexia, which means covetousness. covetousness. And so now, what about gluttony, right? Um, if you look at Luke chapter 12, verse 15, right? Luke chapter 12, verse 15, we can infer from this passage that there are many types of greed. Right? And gluttony is simply a form of greed that involves food. Right? A glutton is one who is greedy for food. The Bible speaks negatively about a greedy person. Paul calls a greedy person unrighteous in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. The inspired apostle said that a greedy person would not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Right? What is the last of the flesh? It is the physical body's desire. Our desire for food? For luxury, for companionship, right? Things like that. And what about the last of the eyes, right? We look for, we look and desire for what is nice and beautiful, right? You look at a nice car out there, you say, wow, this is a very nice thing. That's the last of the eye, right? We look at a handsome guy, right? Oh, this Opa, very good, right? Or we look at a pretty laptop and we say that, you know, how I wish I have that. And what is the pride of life? We desire to look good in front of others, right? Hey, look at me, look at me. Worship me, love me, right? Because I am better than you. That is the pride of life. And sometimes, because of expectations from, uh, you know, the people that are around us, right? We are hesitant to admit our failure or even to seek help when things are falling apart. Our pride leads us to do sinful things instead when things are not going so well for us. And so it has come to my conclusion that all this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they are either the cause of greed or it is caused by our greed. We want more to show off. We want more to spend it on ourselves. We want more and become preoccupied with it. And that is greed. When greed takes hold of our hearts, God takes second place, takes third place, or even no place at all in our heart. And that means that we and our desire for worldly things become our gods instead of our loving Father in heaven. Right? Jesus warned in Matthew chapter 6, verses uh, verse 24, that no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so some people, when they read this, you know, they say, wow, God wants me all for himself. God is selfish, right? For wanting our full devotion. But no, that's not it. Right, God tells us this for our own good. And let me explain to you this way. Right? 
You bring your car to the petrol station, right? To fill it up. When you get out, and then you go to, to where the petrol tank cover is, you open it, and what do you see inside there? There is a notice on the cover that says, you know, minimum RON 95 or 91 or whatever it is. Something like that, right? Minimum. And most cars have it today on the cover as a warning. You see, how the engine works is like that. It pulls the air into the chamber, the air and the petrol mixture, right? Into the combustion chamber. And then the piston compresses this mixture as it moves up. When the, the mixture of petrol and air is fully compressed, then the spark plug will ignite this compressed mixture. And when that happens, the gases, uh, as it ignites, it expands and pushes against the piston. And this delivers the resulting kinetic energy to the, to the gear and it allows your car to move. Now, what if you fill the car with lower quality fuel than it than was recommended by the manufacturer? And the car still works. Of course, the car will still move, right? It can even get you to your destination for a cheaper price, right? Because you don't have to pay so much for the petrol. Some people do that and say, ah, see, no problem, what, right? Manufacturer is trying to cheat me. But you know what? When you use lower quality fuel, lower quality petrol, is the mixture of fuel and air in the engine might combust earlier before it is fully com compressed, right? And this causes uh, damage to your car's engine in the long term, right? So the manufacturer, they know this and they include the warning there and tell you, look, this is a minimum quality that you can use. The manufacturer didn't include the warning because of a conspiracy uh, with the oil company to induce you to use more profitable uh, premium petrol. So in the same way, God also wants us to focus on Him and to banish greed from our hearts because as our manufacturer, right, as our maker, God knows what's going to happen when we misuse ourselves for any purpose other than what we were created to do. He knows that when we are filled by greed instead of love, we are putting ourselves up for misery. That's why he repeatedly warns us about the dangers of greed. It is because our Father loves us and cares for us that he do, does that. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 19 says, Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Greed takes away life. People who are greedy are never happy. They are never contented with things, right? They keep wanting more, right? No matter how much they have. Some spend whatever they have and then they repeat the same cycle, right? They gain, gain wealth, they spend it on themselves and then they repeat the same cycle over and over again, chasing after material gain and spending lavishly on themselves. Greed is destructive. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. It breaks apart families. Proverbs 15 verse 27 says, Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribe will leave. 
I have seen families break apart because both parents are busy chasing material gain and they don't have enough time with each other. Sometimes it is not because they don't spend enough time with each other, but when they are apart, the devil uses this opportunity to inject other temptations that might break up the family union. Right? By using greed, right, to entice them to do illegal activities. Now, what happens when the authorities catch up with them? They end up in jail, right? And that's then what happens to the family? It breaks apart, right? Greed also brings poverty. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 21 says, For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. Read breeds self-centeredness. Isaiah chapter 56, verse 11 says, The dogs have a mighty appetite. They never have enough. But they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way each to his own gain, one and all. You know, when leaders are filled with greed, they tear apart societies and bring destruction to those they are supposed to lead. Right? In history, we read in history that, that there are many examples of civilizations that were crippled and destroyed by the greed of their leaders. Leaders who led millions of people to their death just to fulfill their generals or their kings or emperors Greed. For example, millions died under the leadership of uh, Ying Zheng of the Qin Dynasty. Right? We also know him as the Emperor Shi Huangdi. Right? They died under his leadership to fulfill his desire to conquer all China under his rule. And then, when he, has con when he had conquered China under his rule, he sent even more people to their death to build the Great Wall of China. And in our own country, it's no different. Political leaders are so willing to lie, to steal, to threaten, and even tear apart the fabric of society by stoking what, racial sentiments and inciting religious fanaticism just to stay in power. We just had our elections, right? Even after the rulers have declared the winner and invited the winning party to form a unity government. Some politicians are still trying to undermine this legitimately appointed administration through shady background deals and threats of violence. Murder, war, fights, quarrels, all because of greed, the insatiable desire to have more. Now, listen, not having time for God is one thing. But here's the other thing about greed also. We become preoccupied with ourselves, right? Our comfort, our pleasure, our pride, our capabilities. Yeah, right. And if you are, you know, you, if you are like me, sometimes we are also preoccupied with our own worries, right? We want more and more, and it never ends, right? Because we feel that, we feel insecure about our future. When our hearts are filled with green, where do we find time for others? Right? Where do we find time for other people's needs? The answer is 
We don't, right? There's no space for God. There's no space for others because our hearts are filled with ourselves, right? Greed. We want more because we feel we don't have enough no matter how much we have. Proverbs 13 verse 25 says, The righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the belly of the wicked suffers want. Here's a thought, right? Why does God bless us if not for us to use it for his glory and his purpose? To do good works and to glorify God. Why does God bless us then? Are we not stewards of God, right? A steward is a person who is paid to manage someone else's business. God blesses you and entrusts you with his possessions and he expects uh, you to do his business with it instead of doing your own business. Right? You remember the parable of the rich fool, right? Let's turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 13 through 21. Let's read this, right? Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to them, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. And then he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, right, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and I will store all my grain and my goods. How many times can you talk about yourself? Right? But what's even more fascinating after this is, He's telling himself to talk to himself even more, right? Verse 18, right? Uh, sorry, right? Verse 19, and I will say to my soul, right? Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not reach towards God. This guy is really preoccupied with himself. Everything is about himself. Not once did he ever think to thank God for his blessings. Right? Not once did he spare a thought for others who were less fortunate than he was. And Romans chapter 1 tells us that those who are not thankful to God will become futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts will be darkened. Brothers and sisters, greed does that to us. right? It darkens our hearts. It tears apart our ability to trust God and His providence and it makes us idolize or worship material gains, seek comfort and safety in the things of the world. Right. So what happens? We end up worshipping creation instead of the Creator. Verses 24 and 25 of Romans chapter 1 says, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts 
impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Greed leads us to sin and even more sin after that. Verse 29 says, They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, envy, murder, strife, and such like it. No, we spiral deeper and deeper into the abyss of darkness until finally, one day, there is no turning back. We become so consumed by greed that we are willing to toss aside the salvation that we once treasured and the providence of God that we used to be contented with. So you see now why Paul tells us that the love of money is the root of all evils. Brothers and sisters, what does it profit a man if he gains the world and forfeits his soul? The ultimate destruction brought about by greed, right? this is it, our souls lost to eternal damnation, burning in the fires of hell for all eternity. You know, talking about greed uh, is not easy for me. It's not an easy sermon to prepare also. I got to be honest with you, right? I can feel the heat turned up on myself as I was preparing this lesson, right? Going through what God has to say to us about greed. It is so hard for us to talk about greed sometimes because to a certain degree, we all have greed in our heart, don't we? Right? Every time I point a finger when talking about greed, I'm aware that three more fingers are pointing back at me. And it made me to think a lot about my intentions. See, we all learn greed at a very young age. Every child is born with hands that think. Okay, parents, you all know this, right? The first two years of life uh, is one where the child is being served, right? You bring the, when you bring a child into the world, everything else takes second place. Everything is ar arranged around your child's needs, even your working hours. At a very young age, they are already taking. And now, as the baby grows into a toddler, he or she must learn to share. Otherwise, their instinct will take over. You give them toys. And the next thing you know, what happens? They become monsters, throwing tantrums when someone else takes their toys. Right? Yeah, don't even think about looking at it. Right? You give him already, it's his, mm -hmm, that's mine, you know, mine. Don't even look at it, otherwise I'll throw tantrums. And then as they grow older, especially in their teenage years, then their frail, fragile self-esteem is made to believe that acceptance comes through possessions. Right? What brand of clothes do you wear? No, I've seen secondary school kids. Right? They come to my clinic carrying Prada handbags. That costs, you know, even more than my salary. You know, by the way, uh, that the devil wears Prada, right? right? What gadgets do you use? You know, get away from me, like you cockroach. You using lousy Android. Look, I got the latest iPhone, the bestest iPhone. Brothers and sisters, this disease called green infects us from a very young age. And it incubates 
in us as we, as we grow until it takes hold of our hearts. And unfortunately, there is no objective way that we can tell a greedy person from a generous one, right? Real life isn't like, you know, the narrative that Hollywood is, is pushing. Oh, this rich fellow, he, he's greedy. Oh, if you are poor, then you are very generous. You see, greed is not measured in possessions. If you can measure greed in possessions, then, hey, show me your phones, ah, right? And then I can say, ah, this fellow greedy, greedy, not greedy, uh, maybe somewhat greedy, uh, then you are greedy here. You know, how I do it is, if you're holding uh, an iPhone 13 and above, uh, then you're definitely greedy. Lah. Those using a Nokia 3310, you can, ah, very generous. The rest, somewhere in between. Right? But that's not how it works, right? That's not how it works. I have met many poor, greedy people, and I have also met rich people who are extremely generous. You see, greed isn't a sinful action like murder, rape, robbery. It doesn't show outwardly. You try to kill somebody, people can see it. You rape a person, it's an action that can be seen, right? But greed, you can't see greed, right? Greed is an infection of our hearts. It takes hold of our heart and then it manifests itself in many ways. And if you would, please turn with me to John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Let's read this passage together. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nut and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot. One of his disciples, he was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. Judas Iscariot, he didn't really want to help the poor, did he? He was a greedy person who wanted the money for himself. And so he pretended to be an angel, you know, care for the poor so that the ointment could be sold for money and then he can sapu everything, right? Fuck out the word that is used, right? During election. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, For who knows? A person's thoughts accept the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thought of God except the spirit of God. Look, your thoughts are private and only you can tell if you are greedy or not. Some things you do might suggest that your heart is filled with greed, but more often than not, greed is disguised. It is disguised as something good. Like in Judas's case, right? 
So you can't tell the greedy person just by looking at him, you know. So how do we know that for sure if we are greedy or not? Right? Luckily for us, we have the Bible to help us discern our thoughts and our intentions. And that is why it is sometimes difficult for us to talk about greed because it requires us to open ourselves up, bear ourselves before God, and be truthful about our thinking and intentions behind all our actions. Right? Let me propose to you two areas where you can easily test yourself to see if you are greedy or not. Right? In three of the Synoptic Gospels, right, we find an account where the Pharisees try to trick Jesus with a question on taxes. And the, the question that they ask him, should we pay our taxes? Right. Many of my friends, they have told me that they intentionally seek ways to minimize paying taxes, including cheating in the allowable deduction sections. Right? They claim for book purchases, they claim for their parents' medical bills, gadget purchases, even though they did not spend money on these things. Some intentionally underdeclare their income so that they won't be subject to a higher tax bracket. They come up with all sorts of excuses for not paying taxes. They are, oh, I barely have enough to feed my family. Nah. Why should the government take more from me when they are already so rich? Right? Oh, oh, the government is so corrupt. I don't want to give them any money to entice them to sin even more. Sounds very good, right? But you know what? Jesus answered the Pharisees. He said this, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Why? Because taxes are what makes things work on earth. But then, Jesus also said this, Give to God what belongs to God. What Jesus is saying is this, in as much as you don't like paying your taxes right, to the government, there is a spiritual kingdom of God that needs to be funded. Do you calculate your tax returns truthfully and make sure you pay them on time? Or do you hold back and find sinful ways to avoid taxes? Whether you believe in giving tithes or, you know, we say, as you have proposed purpose in your hearts, if, right? Do you arrive for Sunday worship, you know, having set aside what you're supposed to give to God, and then you find out that you hold back because greed is occupying your hearts. And you feel that if you give to God what you have already purposed to give to Him, right? That you might not have enough for tomorrow's needs. You feel that your future is insecure. What if I can't afford to pay my mortgage or my car loan? And then quietly, we whisper in our hearts, all of self and none of thee. Remember what I said earlier, greed has a part, our ability to trust God and His providence. It makes us idolize or worship material gains and seek comfort and safety in the things of the world. So what can we do about green? What if it has taken hold of our hearts? Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 is, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, 
that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. This is the only time in the Bible that you will find God telling his people to test him. God says, test me and I'll show you what I can do for you. You know, God knows that it is a hard thing for us to trust him, especially when greed has taken hold of our heart. Can we trust him to extend to the, to the extent you know, that we are willing to part with what we think we might need in the future. Oh, it's not easy. It's not easy. You know what? Think about each time that you have held back. In fear, instead of giving to God. In faith. How many of those times that you thought, you know, you might need this, right? It caused you to hold back uh, from giving to God. Right? Think about it, right? How many times did the things that made you worry really happen? Most of the time, our worries were blown apart, blown out of proportion, right, by our own unbelieving heart. We thought we might need this and that. We thought we might not have enough. But when the time came, we always had enough. So give to God's purpose, and He will reward you for your faith. So God's solution to greed, number one, giving to God is what keeps greed off your heart. But the second thing that God says to do is this, 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? God wants you to give to him. That's already difficult. And now God wants you to give to help the needy. It's even harder, isn't it? You know, I was eating in the shop the other day, and, you know, this man, uh, he didn't have one of his hands, probably amputated for whatever reason, and he came into the, to the shop, showed us some fans and asked us, you know, you want to buy pen or not? 10 ringgit for 5 pieces, something like that. A lot of people, they just ignored him, and like he didn't exist, right? And they just continued talking or eating. So he stood there after a while, he went to another table, and then he came to me, and then I looked at him, and I, I didn't need any pen, so I told him, sorry, I, I don't need any pen at the moment. And then he asked me again, uh, uh, because I was in, you know, my my working clothes, uh, so he said, "Doctor, uh, buy la one." And I said, um, "I don't need any pen, right?" And so he ran away. Then after a while, I thought to myself, uh, you know, sometimes I say, "This fellow uh, got hand, got leg. Why don't he go and work and earn a living? Why don't he go and do some proper job?" I didn't want to give him, and I didn't want to help him. And I so I tried to make it hard for him. You know, as I was thinking about that, I also a thought came to me also. Where would I be if God dealt with me the way that I dealt with this guy? How many times have we seen 
How many times have we fall short of God's glory, live an undeserving life, and yet He gives us not what we deserve, but He gives us what we needed. He gives us His grace, His mercy, and He generously sustains all of us. So shouldn't God's grace also bail out those in need? Only instead of God doing it Himself, He sends His stewards to do it. When you pull out the roots of greed that has wrapped itself around your heart, you trust in God for tomorrow, then the generosity that flows from it cannot cease. Luke chapter 6 verse 38 says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Now I know what you all might say, Brother, if I give generously, then what would I have left for myself? Right? That's the remnant of greed's root in your heart. It is still manifesting itself by making us worry about tomorrow. So dig deeper, remove this random so that it doesn't grow back. You see, when you prove yourself a good steward of God's, then He will reward you with more. You will never be in want. That's the conclusion of the parable of the ten miners in Luke chapter 19. If you are really doing what you are supposed to do, seeking God and His righteousness, you will always have enough to meet your needs. Proverbs 11 verses 23 and 24 says that the desire of the righteous ends only in good, the expectation of the wicked in wrath. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Look, you are not alone in this, right? When I see what's happening around me, I also start worrying. I start to think what will happen if something bad happens to me. Who's going to feed my family? How am I going to pay for my daughter's education if the ringgit keeps falling? It's at, what now, probably better now, 4.5, right? To the dollar. But what if the economy collapses thanks here? How am I going to make payments on my mortgages? But then the worry also gives birth Greed. Lord, just give me a little bit more. God, I know you have been gracious to me, but I still don't have enough for my child's education, my retirement, my vacation, my pleasure, my comfort. God, I want more. Give me more, God. I deserve more. Brothers and sisters, greed is never enough. And here's the question for us. Is God not more than enough? Does He not know what will happen in the future? Isn't God good? Isn't He able to take care of your tomorrows? Isn't your Father in Heaven able to provide for you and deliver you? And come what may, He is always there for you. The Bible says in the 37th Psalm, I have been young and now I am old. In other words, saying I have been through life, right? And yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken 
all his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Now let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And let's read verses 19 to 34. And then I'll have some closing thoughts for you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamb of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is it's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into buns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Friends, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. How do we seek God's kingdom and His righteousness in this aspect? Remember the car engine that I talked about, right? Stop what you're doing. Stop doing what you're not made to do and start doing what God made you to do. To love God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we were all made to do, right? God's solution to greed is this, simple. Give it away, right? You give to God and you do it weekly. You seek ways to bless others with God's blessings. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul was telling the Christians what they sh why they should give generously. And this is his conclusion in verse 8. Right? It says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things. Right? In what things? In spirit? In truth? 
In love? No. In all things. And then what? Right? When God has made you all sufficient in all things, and then at all times, you may abound in every good work. Right? Some time ago, quite a number of years ago, right? Um, there was a church member that, you know, one day I was uh, uh, coming, I came to Bible class and then I saw this church member looking very down. And so I, after Bible class, I went to this church member and asked, you know, is everything okay? And then uh, we ended up uh, going for, for a cup of coffee where this church member told me all the problems that was, uh, you know, that this member was facing. And then, you know, after listening to all this, I, I just asked, actually, uh, how much do you need to, for all these problems to go away? And the member told me a sum of money. And you know what? It so happened that that amount that this member needed was the exact amount that I had in my pocket at that time. And so I said, look, I can't do much for you. This is what I have. This is what you need. Take and go. All right? Take and do with it what, you, what needs to be done. Right? In that moment, you know, when all else seems, uh, all else have failed, right? When there seems to be no way out for this uh, person. And then, because God put me in a position to do his good work and assure this person in need that his love will never fail. You know, isn't that just wonderful, right? How God works. I thank God and his providence and care for this church member. But that's my story, right? What about your story, right? Find your story by giving. Give generously. Giving makes us more like Jesus. It also makes us more like God. Because that is who God is. God is a giver, right? Gives generously to all of us. And isn't that also how the gospel starts? John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave. Right? That He gave. And so I thank you for your attention. Uh, we have the uh, song of encouragement.